everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. Sitting right next to me, not even Caddy Corner, we're just like, we're just snuggled up like a couple of uh, cuddly winter bears, is Jenny. <laughs> and as always, 111 miles to our southwest, in her sick gamer chair with her pop filter in front of her mic, is Megan. Hello. You guys are like that gross couple that goes on a date and sits on the same side when there's <laughs> no reason to. I hate that. I uh, I noticed, Megan, I, I've never really noticed before, you not only have a pop filter, which is great, very professional. Thank you. You also have a uh, kind of like a, a, a thing over your a microphone. Win, a windscreen. A windscreen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you look baller. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. We were just talking about our pandemic hair, so at least my equipment looks good, and you know, if not my overly long hair. Looks. I like your. Here. I like your orange snowball, Mike. Yeah, it's been going strong for a decade. It looks like the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, before we get into anything, we're gonna do what we do to start every show, which is the elite beat pop of the week. Well, this week, listeners, we've got something pretty special for you. It's an all-rosé edition of the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Oh my god, even I'm surprised. (laughs) (laughs) We coordinated. Megan told us that she was having a rosé sparkling, so we decided to have a rosé sparkling. So Andy and I are drinking uh, Glory for Our Fruit Rosé. You all know what that means? What? It means... Rosé on the pod day. Rosé on the pod. You guys coordinated a whole thing. All I did was tell you yesterday that I was drinking my rosé Chandon and look what happened. Yeah. We made it happen. When there's not a Cleveland Browns game on, I feel like you guys get real like into the party pod zone. Well, we're in, we're definitely operating at a higher level than usual because we haven't been drinking for three hours. True. You know, I was kind of like, even though there's a Browns game, what am I gonna? What am I walking into? <laughs> <laughs> Never right. know. Let's hear that pop, Jenny. Ooh. Hell yeah! That was a good one. Thank you. I'm looking, watching the watching the. I know there was smoke like pour out of smoke that coming out of it. I don't even know. Yeah. I've right, never Megan. seen that before. That's how champagne works. Smoke comes out. <laughs> All right, Megan, what are we working with? All right. Shandon, uh, Brut Rose, because last week when I had it, I was like, why have I not been buying this the whole time? And I blame Kroger because I think their online ordering system doesn't always list everything. So that's on them. Here we go. Here's my pop. Ooh, good one. Thank you. Do you see how Megan's champagne opening tool has the nice, like, grip on the side? It's got the... Yeah. Yeah. Ours doesn't have that. No, but ours is also, like, 10 years old. That's true. I think they may have... You guys bought this for me as a gift, so (laughs) you should know where to get one. No, I'm just saying. I didn't didn't know it had, like, a nice grip on the side. It's very nice. As I told listeners last week that I treated myself to a case of Gloria Ferrar... When you bought the case, you're supposed to get little surprise gifts for free. And they, I mean, they weren't surprised because they told you. Like when you order $150 worth of merchandise from Pro Wrestling Tees. Right. Yeah. Right. Surprise, you've spent money and paid for this. Here's a yeah. gift for it. 
for so, something we had laying around the warehouse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so I'm supposed to be getting a champagne stopper and another champagne opener. Ooh. But they didn't arrive in my case of wine. So I sent them an email. Yeah. And they said they would ship separately, but I don't know. I've never, I've not received another shipping notification. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get this. Well, you have, you have like created a chain of evidence that they sent you that thing. So if you don't get it, you can refer back to it and say, "You guys said you sent this. Where I is hope it?" So, no, I mean, that's this, how it works. The sickest burn is going to be that I've gotten their champagne topper things for free because I'm not to brag. I'm a member of the club, um, <laughs> but they're not the kind you like. Oh, really? It's not they're, the the one hinge. Nope. So like oh. you're you're complaining and you're gonna get probably a topper like I have unless they give you a one hinge and then I'm gonna be pissed. Then well, I'm maybe gonna they've updated it. it because they didn't used to do the one hinge um, champagne stoppers. I think that's something recent within the maybe the last few years where like the technology for stopping your champagne has really increased. Hinge technology has come a long way. <laughs> so listeners, <laughs> if you are getting a champagne stopper. They come with two hinges coming down over the top, or they come with one larger hinge coming around the side. You want to go with the one hinge champagne stopper. Side it is hinge. much more effective. Yeah. So if you get one of those for free, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be so angry. I'm not going to write a letter because I'm not that person, <laughs> but I will internally be screaming. You, ha- you have a couple of those one hingers though, right? Yes, given to okay. me by you yeah. guys. Well, you guys yeah. give me all my coolest champagne <laughs> swag. Um, well, we have to, once we find the good stuff, we've got to share it. It's. I appreciate that. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I usually only have one bottle of champagne open at a time. So one of them, it suffices. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, cheers, everyone. Got the last going. Megan's brewmate. got a brewmate rocking. You know... Roommate, we really like your product, and we would be happy to shill it for you on our Instagram account. Yeah. Who, who was who, who was Artem? Artem Shigvensev yeah. was uh, shilling a roommate, and then roommate. the next day, I saw Nikki shilling it. And in you the know, previous week, they were shilling it on the Bachelorette. If you're an influencer, get those free roommates and make that money. That's all I'm saying. Well, Megan, will you send me a picture of your um, roommate with your wine, and I will add it to our Instagram account? I will. I want to be part of making us influencers and roommates sending us free stuff. Yes. We like your product, roommate. I really, I really want from roommate. Oh, no, I'm not going to say it because we were thinking about maybe one day as a surprise. Never mind. I have no idea what this is about. Sounds like neither, I maybe should, but... <laughs> neither okay. do the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes it for a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. AEW business. Uh, but, uh, you know, while we're at it, you you do should give us a follow at the Elite Beat Pod on Instagram. It's been a little quiet lately, but uh, we'll uh, try to get it spun back up. And we do want to thank Justin shapiro again for appearing last week on our show yeah juicing our numbers big time we uh we really enjoyed talking with him i i do want to apologize for for being a little drunk that's the charm of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) the pop of the week gets you started (laughs) 
uh, kickoff of the Browns game got her started last week. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Being the Elite 233, the title of this episode was Heel Turn. Megan, did you have any thoughts on this week's BTE? I was happy we got some more BTE title shot stuff. Um, Uno is the number one contender, apparently. Or Uno, not Uno, the guy. Uno, the game, is the the number one contender contest. And Uno, the guy, does participate. But yeah, I loved it. Um, I also love that apparently nobody knows how to play Uno. So that's fun. Are we too? Are we too old, or are they too young to know how to play Uno? Like, did you guys play Uno? As yeah, children? yeah. Not, I mean, not in the last twenty-five years, but certainly when I was a kid. Yeah, as kids, Uno was fun. My, um, I think, I think my my nephew has played Uno. Okay. I think it's still like a game that people play. I was surprised by how. Maybe it was just Trent being extra clueless, but a lot of people seem lost on how to, like, do the cards. Yeah, I might not remember how to play Uno now. Yeah. I thought the Uno went on too long. Uh, I, I could have done with, like, a, a more editing on the Uno game. More than just the sped-up pacing of it? Yeah. Tighten yeah. it up a bit? Yeah, yeah kind of like the, uh, the, the sauce throwing the week before. Oh, the mustard yeah. packets? That was... That was funny for like a minute, and then it lasted seven minutes. Yeah. I am excited for uh, the captain, Sean Dean, to get his uh, title shot, though. Yeah. Yeah, some new blood in there. Like, haven't seen his skills yet. And I assume we're going to get another lengthy edit when they play Skids, which John Silver has explained is throwing Skittles at the wall. (laughs) Wait, how do you win? He didn't clarify. He just, at the end of the segment, he goes, you guys know what Skids is? And they're like, no. And he's like, it's throwing Skittles at the wall. And then they're all like, oh, man. <laughs> another another John Silver game he's made up, I believe, is what, what the implication is. Like, do you think you have to stick the Skittle to the wall? I bet you do. I bet but, you have to throw it with enough force that it crushes a little bit and adheres to the wall. Can you that, pre-lick it? Yeah, well, you, that seems like it's going to be really hard. That's that seems like that would be like the Ricky Starks cheat move would be to uh, try to subtly lick it beforehand, and then. Now the thing I love about the Captain Sean Dean is I haven't seen him wrestle since the early days of Dark, but I do love that for some reason Trent and Chuck and Orange Cassidy are obsessed with him. Yeah, they were like really hyped. He was there. Yeah, and they all saluted him. Yeah. I bet they just love doing that and going around backstage and mm-hmm. any opportunity. Yeah. Um, I also love how just based on this and other week's segments wow. that apparently Tony Khan has made wine available backstage and they all just, these wrestlemen are carrying around wine glasses full of red as they're just casually hanging out together. <laughs> I don't know. There's Orange, something about that imagery that I love. Orange Cassidy is always drinking red wine. He is. I respect that. Yeah. I love that. We should get him on here to talk about wine. Yeah. Hell yeah. Secret we can get Scorpio Sky on to talk about wine as well. Yeah, maybe him and his new girlfriend, Alex Gracia. We could get them together. Oh. And we could talk about it. Oh, no. How dare you. <laughs> Your marriage wasn't enough to dash her hopes, <laughs> but his girlfriend is. Now, uh, 
The other uh, big aspect of the show is that uh, narratively, Kenny Omega is a heel. The Young Bucks acknowledge it. They 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 tried to get the the celebration all set up for you know him winning the title and do the do the champagne celebration in a uh, in a Dexter kill room uh, the way they Seriously. the way they did for the Bucks winning the tag titles. But uh, as we know, Kenny ran away with Don Callis, and the Bucks were forlorn. Yeah, they. They did look really sad. But, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, your boy Kenny wasn't really hiding it. No. Uh, And the hangman uh, got lured to a Dark Order party by little shots of, I guess, bourbon? Yeah, bourbon. (laughs) Like, kind of parceled out on the ground. And he wandered into the room. And, unfortunately, they were all drinking, too. So they were too drunk to successfully recruit him. Mm. Um, Evil Uno was trying to invite him to join the Dark Order, but he invited him to join the Dark Orgy, and Hangman didn't really want to. So, <laughs> so it's unclear where things stand because, of course, as we'll find out later, he is teaming with some of them on uh, on Dynamite this week. Mm. Uh, but you know, I, I, I enjoyed that bit. I loved when Alex Reynolds like hung his arm over Hangman's shoulder and got in real close and was like, we made magic out there. I know you felt it. And I was like, oh. Of oh, course, Reynolds. referring back to the to the Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royal where they uh, the, the three of them worked together very well. Yeah. yeah. So proven talent here. I mean, Hangman, you got friends if you want them. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Uh, that was BTE, unless you had any other thoughts on that show, Megan? Uh... No, I th- I thought it was funny. Um, it was a good episode, I would say. But really, the Dark Order stuff is the most amusing thing to me at this point. Yeah. You always, like, I, I, I do, I've several times throughout the history of the show thought, like, what's the next thing going to be? Like, what are they going to hit on next? And and they always, they always have something, so. Yeah. Hey, it's a new year coming up, so we'll see. All right, let us talk news. This from Paul Fontaine of the Wrestling Observer website. Following last week's Winter is Coming special episode, AEW Dynamite improved on those impressive numbers, averaging 995,000 viewers on TNT. The rating in the 18-49 demo was a .45. Whoa. Dynamite was up 9% in total viewers from last week. This was the largest audience for the show on a night with NXT competition since October 16th, 2019, which was the fourth episode of Dynamite. Good Lord. Uh, the 18 to 49 rating was up 7% from last week and was the highest for the show since October 9th, 2019, which was the third ever episode wow. of Dynamite. Um, now, what what do you think caused this? I So they promoted, they started promoting Shaq pretty hard in the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. And Shaq, the Shaq segment was in fact the high viewer point mark of the show. Um, The Sting interview was the second highest uh, mark of the show. And they promoted that all week after he had made his surprise debut the week prior. Uh, And you open with the, they open with a Young Bucks match, which always like historically, and we can say historically because I have over a year of data now that always gets the show off to a good start. Um, let's see. Yeah. So to be fair, I will say that their opening matches tend to be very good regardless. They always start out dynamite strong, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Dynamite was second in all of cable television in the 18 to 49 demo. Uh, NXT, which I, I, I feel just feel bad compa- doing the NXT comparisons anymore. It's because they're not even really competing with NXT anymore. Honestly, they're more, they're, they're closer to competing with raw than they are to NXT at this point, but NXT finished 37th, uh, on in cable on the night <sighs> with an audience of 659,000 viewers. So they lost by about 335,000 viewers. Yeah, but they're still hovering in that place where outside of like these big dynamite shows, both programs had kind of fallen into, right? Into the mid 600s, thousands. Isn't that where they all kind of settled in? Or am I wrong? What, with dynamite? Uh,. Yeah, or maybe it's no. Dynamite's just... Dynamite's more like their their low end is more in like the mid sevens now. Okay, so they okay. There was a there was a time where I thought thought they had both kind of hit that mid sixes, and so I I wonder if NXT like in a vacuum, if you would say they're doing really terrible because they didn't do the nines like Dynamite this week. But I you mean, know. you have to look at. You have to look at the rankings for the prime demo because that's what everything's measured by. And thirty seventh for the night doesn't. I mean, that doesn't sound good to me. No. There's not that many cable programs, right? No, there's like you know, I think they measure like a, the top hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, for USA, which is one of the top cable channels, you know, they probably don't, don't love that ranking. They probably don't love that ranking, and they they probably. I, I don't know who's thinking, who's making these decisions at this point, but I bet there are people with power who would like to move that show to a different night where it could do better. Yeah. But then do you think that Vince would actually, like, let it be on on that night? Or do you think you would just put it back on the network? No, because they're getting money for it from USA. So you don't, it's, it's better to get money for it than not. Yeah, and if they have a contract, he can't just, like, unilaterally decide to pull it, right? Right, yeah. Um, yeah, but like if they've got a contract, normally the contract isn't for like a specific night. Like, I mean, maybe it is, but I thought most cable you could move nights and times oh, yeah, a lot. I'm sure you can. Um, but I don't think that that would give Vince McMahon like the option at that point to pull the show. Mm. Yeah, I was saying even if he was mad about the USA making them move it, he couldn't just threaten to take it away because they agreed to have it on there. Yeah. And what a weird threat too. like, no, I'm going to put it back on my walled garden streaming service. I'm not going to take your money. <laughs> it's Vince McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. It is Vince McMahon. Um, although, I mean, you know, he's been, he's done very well. He's made very good decisions as far as, you know, getting television rights fees the last decade or so. Um, yeah. And you have to think that if, if that happened, if they did move to another night, then you've got an AEW that's unencumbered and probably doing a million viewers live every week. So, and WWE does not want that. So they will hurt themselves to prevent their competitors from succeeding. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's, that's true. Uh, Megan, did you watch any of the impact stuff? I watched the YouTube link you sent me. Okay. So you watched, you watched like the full, like 12 minute in the trailer thing. Yeah. What'd you think? Uh, I thought it was interesting. I kind of thought they basically reproduced most of it on AEW, 
Like as far yeah. as the, the messaging and what it was, almost it was words. Like, it was like we but, got a Cliff's Notes of it on on Dynamite. I yeah. figured that's what would happen. I figured I wouldn't need to watch it. I, I, I mean, I would sort of agree with you, but I thought the Impact version was better. Yeah, I thought they got more into it, and Kenny was definitely like he had moments to be his his heel cleaner persona, and that was fun. and And they made some references and things because they were like it was more of a sit down interview with the Impact person. So they had a little more leeway. Um, but yeah, like messaging wise, when they got to that segment on AEW, I was like, oh, well, I literally just heard this right before I started watching this show. So I guess it's good to have a unified message. Um. The the most interesting thing to me about the di- or the impact version is when he was talking about um, other championships from other promotions. And yeah. how he'd like to collect them, like like a comic book. Yes. And uh, he likened the AEW Championship to Action Comics number one, and he likened the Impact World Title to Spider Man number one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I don't know. It sounds to me like they're going to do Kenny challenging for the Impact Title at some point. I would think so, especially if they've got this partnership going where he's allowed to show up there and potentially Impact people are allowed to show up on AEW. Why not? Yeah. Um, and did you see the other thing that there was? Did you see the one thing I sent you that was like the Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone? Oh, prom- no, I commercial? didn't. Okay. So the gist of it is, this is a commercial that actually aired during Impact. It was Tony and Tony uh, against, <laughs> against the backdrop, and it was Tony Khan saying, I bought this commercial time because, first of all, I thought they could use the money, maybe. And and also, like, you know, I didn't have to let this happen. I could have filed an injunction. I didn't have to let Kenny come do this. I'm letting Kenny come do this because I, I know it'll help. And it was just, like, kind of, like, semi-subtle, just, like, talking shit at Impact for a good two minutes while Tony Schiavone just kind of sits there. And, like, and like at some, one point, Tony Khan turns to Tony Schiavone and says, you worked at Impact at one point, didn't you? And, and Tony goes, yeah, I worked there one day, and then I quit the business for 18 years. And then Con, Tony Khan goes, well, you know, not everybody has the best time, but like I'm glad I was able to bring you back. So it was just, it was just all this shitting on Impact. And uh, c- clearly there's something larger at play here as far as like a, some kind of feud between the promotions. Oh, do you think they're manufacturing like a Monday Night War situation, except they're both in on it and are going to work together <laughs> instead of actually genuinely hating each other? I, th- I think um, I think to some extent, yes, I, I, I definitely think so. Uh, and as for the the impact of Kenny Omega on impact, I have some numbers that are pretty interesting. This is from Cage Side Seats. Uh, let's see here. So the week before impact had 3,100 people watching their show live on Twitch. They had 166,000 people watching on cable on access TV this week with Kenny Omega advertised so heavily throughout the week, they had 50,000 on Twitch which is what like 20, 20, 20 times 20 times more than oh more you than, said 3000 yeah <laughs> oh i yeah. thought you said i heard 30 for some no, reason <laughs> they went from 3000 to 50000 oh my god okay <laughs> and the access audience 
was up to 221,000 viewers uh, as, as Impact finished in the top 100 for the first time ever since they've been on Access TV. Wow. <laughs> um, God. Now, I don't know how many of those viewers are going to stick around. Yeah. But Kenny Omega is going to be on the show again this week. So they at least have that to look forward to. And presumably actually doing something with some Impact talent, I would think. But, uh, but we shall see. But anyway, but like, so the early returns, this has been really good for Impact. Where does Impact tape? Nashville. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, is there a whole show on Twitch? (laughs) Yes, they air, they air without an archive. They air it live on Twitch, like as a simulcast. So if you, if, if you want to watch Impact, you can watch it on Twitch if you don't have access TV. But only as it's happening. Yes. Now this week they did put it up on YouTube, the entire show afterwards, because I just think they figured that they got a real chance to get some eyeballs this week. So, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Those numbers are so sad. The ones pre Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Real, real bad. Um, (laughs) Yes. And uh, so in this, this week's uh, wrestling observer newsletter, Dave Meltzer did say that not only will Kenny Omega be on this next episode of impact, he will also headline at least some impact pay-per-view shows. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, they had one last night on, they had like, uh, they have a, they have their own streaming service, like a WWE network type thing called impact plus. Cause every streaming service has to be plus now, mm-hmm. but so they run like uh, non pay-per-view shows there that are just like kind of special extra shows you get for subscribing. And Kenny Omega was, I'm assuming filmed it the same night he filmed the thing with Don Callis and Josh Matthews in the trailer. Cause he's in the trailer again and Carl Anderson showed up and they had a little bullet club reunion uh, in the trailer and kind of teased, teased some things maybe going, going forward with that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Oh, and also in more Kenny Omega news, <laughs> very, very Kenny heavy uh, news segment this week. Uh, Triple Mania was last night for Triple A, and Kenny defended his mega heavyweight title against Laredo Kid, and he won. He retained the Triple A mega heavyweight championship with a one-winged angel from the second turnbuckle. Uh, looked brutal. Uh, so he is still. So he still has two world titles. Nobody kicks out of the one-winged angel. No, certainly not off the top or the second rope. So okay. he's got those two world titles. I don't know. I sh- Megan, I shared that with you. I shared that fan art that somebody made of Kenny Omega as Thanos with the with the gauntlet with all the slots left. Yeah, that was. I, I liked know. it. <laughs> I could I could definitely see him winning the Impact Championship and having a, having a little triple crown for a while at least. Yeah, I. Yeah. It's compelling. He might as well at this point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the news. It was just a big, big old Kenny Omega week. Uh, and Megan, if you'd like to take us through Dynamite, now's the time. Okay, let's do that then. Um, as you mentioned earlier, the show opened with a Young Bucks match. The this is them facing off against the Hybrid Two because last week they said that if the Hybrid Two won this match, then you know numbers aside they would give them a title shot for the AEW tag team titles. Um, this did not come into play because the Young Bucks did win. Nick got to pin Angelico after they did the BTE trigger. 
Um, but yeah, this was a fun, totally like on par with all the other Dynamite openers match. Uh, I think Jack Evans and Angelico are very good compliments to the Bucks style. So it was a lot of high high spots and good stuff like that. Um, thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, I really like watching Jack Evans and they definitely compliment the Bucks very well. But I think they should have let the Hyper 2 win. They got me with a couple of the near falls, honestly. I thought, okay, if somebody interferes, they could let the Hyper 2 get that win and not, you know, diminish the Young Bucks standing. Well, and it wasn't for the title. So, like, why not let the Hyper 2 win? I don't know. They're bad guys. <laughs> I was hoping they would give them a title shot, and then obviously they wouldn't win that. But it would just be fun to see another match between the two of them. Agreed. Maybe they can do one of those, like, 10-match winning streaks on Dark to get them moved up through the <laughs> rankings. Hopefully. Um, the, the spot that got me was when Angelico got the Navarro lock on Matt in the middle of the ring. And then, so I figured Matt would get the ropes, but then Angelico dragged him back and Nick still wasn't anywhere to be seen. I, so I, th- I, I did think he was going to tap out there. So they did get me for, uh, for that one. I, I'm okay with them losing because I think just because you create a scenario where you can get a title shot if you win doesn't mean you have to win. Well, you don't have to win, but... Like, they also make the hybrid two lose so often that, like, it doesn't mean much if they beat the hybrid two if they never let them win any big matches. Well, that's true, but I think that means that they should probably do a little more buildup of the hybrid two until before they get into a serious title program. I would just like to see more hybrid two. I, I think they're yeah. fun to watch, so get them in the game. Um, Jack did that. Uh, he did like the double stomp to Matt's back and then on um, off the top rope and then also like moonsaulted onto Nick on the floor at the same time. That was bananas. Yeah. I've never seen that before. I've also never seen the, uh, the doomsday device on the, on the, um, on the ramp that Nick did to Jack where he, Matt had Jack up on his shoulders on the ramp. Nick leapt to the top rope, jumped to the turnbuckle, and then like he did like so he did like a, a no hand springboard clothesline and like knocked Jack off of Matt's shoulders. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Nick Jackson is amazing. Uh, very talented. <laughs> he does great rope work here. Um I also thought it was funny when Jack Evans used Rick Knox's knee. As like a jumping <laughs> off point to do the Hurricane Rana. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He like posted off of him. Yeah. And Rick Knox was just like, what? But he didn't, you know, you're the ref. If you have a problem with it, you can DQ him. But he was just like shocked. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that too. Yeah. And uh, there was also, I think Jack Evans is part of all of these I wrote down, but the pile driver the spike pile driver on the outside where like Jack Evans had jumped out and Matt caught him midair and then set up for it. That was really cool. And like, that was right before the finish, right? Yeah. 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 It looked dangerous, but nobody got hurt. So I'm going to say awesome. (laughs) Yeah, totally. 
yeah, so all around, I, I really enjoyed this match, and I wanted them to get the title shot just to have another match. Not necessarily yeah. because I thought they had any chance of getting into a title shot program, but this is one of those magical one-off moments where Matt and Nick just said, you don't got the numbers, but we want to give you a shot, kid. And then they didn't. <laughs> so. Oh, well. All right. After that match, we get a very quick promo from MJF. He's standing with his boy, Wardlow. And Actually, uh, what happened next was the Acclaimed uh, hit the ring to oh, you're right. attack the Young Bucks, but they got run off by SCU before uh, that could come to pass. So, And then later in the show, they set up for next week, SCU versus the Acclaimed. Yes, you're right. I thought the Acclaimed um, was going to be more of an issue because during the match, like, the Bucks tossed Jack Evans at them at one point. Uh, but yeah, you're right. After the match, they tried to do a jump over the barrier thing. And Frankie and Christopher Daniels were right there to be like, new, no. new. No. I think that I think the acclaim need to win that match. Do you think they will? Is it just against uh, Frankie Kazarian and uh, Christopher Daniels, or is Scorpio Sky included? Scorpio Sky is not included. Then I think they can go ahead and win. <laughs> <laughs> I think they will win that match, because I think they are building them up for a match with the Young Bucks. And so I think that since they don't have any track record, really, they need to they need to look good on Dynamite and, and get a win. Yeah, I had no idea who they were. Yeah. Me neither. Well, they don't have a Dynamite track record, but do they have a dark track record? I did not look at their win-loss thing if it even was shown which i don't think i don't was, right? i don't think it was yeah let me see uh i can i can look that up real quick why don't you talk about mjf all right well mjf is mjfing over there <laughs> um he and wardlow are hanging out and he says he already misses his dynamite diamond ring i guess they took it away from him prior to the battle royal in case he wouldn't give it up i don't know but he misses it and he gets really upset and worked up and says he's going to murder Orange Cassidy in their match later on in the night. Uh, and he specifically says, like, he's tired of Orange Cassidy making a mockery of his sport with his hands in his pocket gimmick and not taking things seriously. So MJF is fired up. Yeah, it's a good promo. Uh, the Acclaimed are 6-1 and one on Dark. Oh. And they are they started off with a loss against the Best Friends, and they've won their six matches since then. Okay, I almost would have expected them to give them a few more wins before they brought them on Dynamite, but that's not a bad record. I think Tony Khan is very high on them. He He's the one who put them together as a team. They didn't come in as a team. Um, oh. It was just like an idea he had. And then, and then so, uh, yeah, like, so th- I think this is his baby. All right, well, if that's the case, then I could definitely see them having a chance to get the win. Yeah. We'll see next week, though. Um, After the MJF promo, we get one of Darby's home videos. Um, This is like the first. This is a really weird one. It's the first one where it wasn't outside. It's, you know, and he's not burning a car. Um, It was the first one also where, like, they had to cast another person to play a fake, like, to not just be themselves. Like, it wasn't just, like, Tony Hawk being Tony Hawk. Or the guy at that big foam pit being like, oh, well, I guess you're going to jump off here, Darby. It was like someone that they had to like hire to play a fake psychiatrist. So this isn't one of their um, dark wrestlers? <laughs> I mean, just... it probably was. I don't know. Okay. I didn't recognize him. 
I didn't either. It was just kind of funny because he's it's this man wearing a suit and big giant glasses. And I guess that's supposed to indicate he is obviously a professional Mm -hmm. uh, therapist or doctor of some kind. Um, He's sitting across from Darby at this table and he's got a series of Rorschach photos, which are those ink splotches that are supposed to reveal your deepest inner thoughts. Because, you know, what do you see from ink splots? Um, these are not even sort of disguised to be anything else. They're very clearly like wrestlers posed in their poses. Uh, it's the, so- it's the, it's the, you know, you go down the, you go down the, down the psychiatry shop aisle and you, <laughs> you in, in the ink blot section, you find the team Taz edition and you just pick them off right <laughs> up off the shelf. Yeah. Was Randy exactly. Orton doing his like weird thigh viper yeah, thing? Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's in the, yeah. <laughs> They didn't get into the WWE edition, but I'm sure yeah. he's out there. Um, yeah, so the three that he has shown initially is, first, it's it's an obvious Ricky Starks. And Darby says, well, I see a wolf in sheep's clothing. Then they go powerhouse Hobbs, and he sees a snake in the grass. And then Brian Cage, and Darby's like, I see a puppet, but also a number one contender for my title. Because he's been coming at me for six months, and... You know, you might think it's a match that's been six months in the making, but really, I've been taking shit for 27 years, so I, it's time. The time is now. So I guess Brian Cage is going to be the next contender to Darby's TNT championship. Um, but to close it out, the doctor's like, hold on, I got one more. And then it's not even an inkblot. It's literally just like a black and white painting of Sting's face, like... And, and he, Sting's face is already black and white. So is it yeah. really just Sting's face? It's just a picture. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Darby doesn't, you know, he doesn't say what he sees, but he laughs. So. Yeah. I Guys. I, they have really, I really like Darby at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I am so over Darby. <laughs> Like, he has done nothing for me for the last, like, six months. Is it too much of this, like, film school bullshit? Yeah, I just, I'm just <laughs> not into it, guys. Like, and and he's got this title and he's not done anything with it. Like, I mean, he's heart, has he defended it even? I don't think so. I, you know, where's the John Cena open challenge? That is what I expect of your number two belt. I would John say Cena open challenge. in his defense... They've had a couple big shows and other big things happening recently. You know, winter's coming, that sort of thing. Uh, he only just won it a few weeks back, right? Like, he hasn't... It's been about a month now, right? When was the pay-per-view? It was the end of November? Oh, I thought it was mid-November. Yeah. Was it uh-huh. end of November? Maybe, no, I know it was early November. It was before the election. So it's been it's been over a month. What was the name oh, okay. of the pay-per-view? Full Gear? Full Gear, yeah. yeah. It was November 4th. Saturday, November 4th. Oh. Okay. I'm just saying, I feel like they had a uh, full... It was November 7th. Oh, sorry. This was after <laughs> had, the election. They had a full card for Winter is Coming, and that was the last one. And then Kenny's got all his business going on. So, like, I, they're setting Darby up for stuff. We'll get we'll get to what that involves, but I don't think they've totally just ignored him and decided he's not going to be a fighting champ. Yeah, I mean, they, they clearly set up... If... if if Brian Cage pinning Darby Allen in that tag match a few weeks ago wasn't enough of a setup, Darby very clearly acknowledged this is who's next. They didn't they didn't set a date for it, but I kind of I, I was actually surprised by that. I kind of thought that one of the, it was one of those things that they'd say this match has been signed for whenever after you know later on in the show. Yeah, but does 
Does Brian Cage have a match next week? Did they announce somebody else for him? Um, that's a good question. I'll I'll look into that. I'm not sure okay. off the top of my head. Because I I feel like I saw a title card for a match for next week. So like, if he does in fact have somebody else, he's got beef with then that would push it back even further <laughs> he wrestled the superheroes of the of the marvel universe last night at triple mania where he played the role of thanos oh i could see that <laughs> that makes sense yeah. <laughs> that sounds wacky and fun yeah uh, all right well we kind of have an idea of where darby is but we'll get back to him in a later segment um Actually, the next segment, but at the end of the next segment, to be fair. So, uh, after Darby's video gets shown, we go into the ring where Tony Schiavone is standing with Cody and Arn, and he's here to interview Cody about his reaction to Sting showing up in the ring last week. But naturally, like, the second he asks this question, before Cody can answer, the lights go out, we get Sting's music, um, there's the video playing, and apparently Sting brings with him snow no matter what because it started snowing again yeah. yeah and then it got stuck in his hair it did i was like maybe somebody should have told him to do a little shake shake because that looked a little dandruffy yeah um that's the problem with fake snow it looks just like dandruff it does not melt no you're right uh but yeah so stink shows up and then arn gets in the ring and gets on the mic and says i'm just here to make sure you're real buddy and since you are and you're here, I just want to say, hey, and then I'm going to leave. So he just takes off. And then Tony hands Sting the mic and is like, yeah, I think maybe you you got this, bud. And Sting's like, Tony, no, come give me a hug, bro. That was very and charming. It was. I don't think I've ever heard Sting speak. <laughs> it and was very... California surfer dude, uh, but like old. Um, well, guess what? He is an old California surfer. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, he, he lives in Texas now. But kind of felt yeah. like a little bit of Point Break. Okay, I'm okay with that. I mean, Brian Pillman Jr. is on this program, and I think he's kind of a little bit of Point Break. <laughs> now, is Sting is Sting more Bodie or is he more Johnny Utah? Bodie. Or is he more Gary Busey at the Oh <laughs> definitely Gary Busey. And then Cody's Johnny Utah. I yeah, don't sure. wanna give <laughs> Cody that much credit. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd never heard Sting talk and this is not how I pictured it. It was definitely like way more chipper and upbeat. I thought he would be a little more broody. So that was surprising. And then he like pulls Tony in for like a big hug and it was so cute and sweet. And um, he's like, he marked out and was like, Tony, give me that classic. It sting. Cause I remember that from back in the day and I haven't heard it in a while. So Tony does that. Everybody freaks out and then they give each other another hug and Tony takes off <laughs> all just a very sweet segment. Um, and then Cody gets on the mic and he's like, Hey, welcome back sting. Uh, I've been waiting to share a ring with you for a very long time, which makes sense. But Sting's like, um, it's not time for us. Not yet. Which makes Cody look a little annoyed. Uh, he Sting's like, you know what? This place is familiar to me. There's something specifically familiar. And he points up to the rafters where he used to brood. 
And there's Darby sitting with his title looking, you know, like a little emo boy that he is watching this whole thing go down. So Sting makes that call out and then, you know, basically is like, hey, Cody, the only thing for sure about Sting is that nothing's for sure. Okay, so I've signed with AEW and I'll be hanging out and doing my own thing, but we're not going to do anything just yet, the two of us. And so he pulls him in for one of those guy half hugs and says, see you around, kid, and then leaves. And Cody gets a little sting paint on his forehead. <laughs> he has to wipe it off. Yeah. Cody looked so annoyed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I being it. condescended to. I loved this whole thing. I thought this whole thing was just great. So if you're in our household... You get a whole 10 minute background on Sting. It was like two minutes. Do you want to give your little Sting spiel? People listening to the show know the story, but you didn't. I wanted to tell you. Right. I I wanted to tell you why it was significant to Sting that Darby was hanging out in the rafters. It's true. Yeah. And Megan knows. Yeah, he basically lived up in the rafters in his time. Yeah. Every old show I've watched with Andy and various other people. They always do like a cut to Sting just sitting there. I don't think I've ever seen Sting wrestle. I've only oh, seen Oh, I have. Rude. I have against Triple H. Oh. <laughs> about five years ago, and it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay, well, I was watching shows where Sting was perhaps in his prime, and if I had seen him wrestle, it probably would have gone better, I assume. But I want a job where I don't, I just had to like sit somewhere in the rafters. Like once a week, like that's the dream. Yeah. I guess you better paint your face and start learning wrestling. Well, I mean, do I need to? Because I <laughs> he didn't. I mean, they're At still that making. Time. They're still making Darby. Uh, well, no, he painted his face. Yeah. Well, no, I know painting yeah. my face, but I meant like learning wrestling. That's true. Yeah. That's probably one of those jobs you can only get if you like prove yourself on the way to it. Oh. <laughs> I'm just I'm just waiting for my golden parachute. Mm-hmm. Like I that's really the goal. It's like I want to be at a point in my life where someone pays me to not come to work anymore. Sure. I think maybe you have to commit some sort of financial crime or sexually harass someone, but you're important enough that it doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, if you were so important to the company that you work for that you sexually harassing a, co- a colleague would let me see how I can phrase this. If it would be because of how important you are, it would be worse for them to actually punish you, like from a public perception standpoint, than for them to just hush it up and send you home to make your mm-hmm. salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to get to that point. Oh, goals. Goals. Hashtag goals. I mean, we're learning so much about your goals from last <laughs> week to this week. What did we learn last week about our goals? Maybe not goals, but like thoughts on incest. <laughs> on <laughs> one show, guys. <laughs> one one couple on I wrote, one show. I wrote in the description, Westerosi incest in one instance. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, All right. So back, back to this. I, uh, I love Sting. I've always loved Sting. And I'm happy to see him hanging around and doing stuff. I, I Obviously, my tune will change. If six weeks from now he's the world champion and the whole thing is built around him, but I think that the the amount of focus that is on Sting right now is fine. 
Yeah, and based on what happened with Kenny, I just don't see that nightmare scenario happening where they're no. like, hey, Kenny, it's cool that you won and all, but Sting's here now. So <laughs> get Guys, out. But I don't want to have to see Sting wrestle. I think I think at most you'll see him wrestle in like a six man tag where he tags in like one time. Okay, that's that's fine. But yeah. like it was so awful to see him wrestle five years ago, and he's five years older. Like I don't want to see that shit. Yep, that's how that works. Yeah, that's like a lifetime of hurting your body. That's what happens. So they'll yeah. take care of him. Um. All right. Well, we'll see where Sting kind of plays out here and how that annoys Jenny in the future. <laughs> But for now, Team Taz is here to respond to what just happened. And Taz is being pretty shitty about it. He mockingly says, you know, that was a super big moment between you and Sting, Cody. Good for you. But also last week when my boys kicked your ass and Sting had to rescue you, that was pretty big. So uh, check it out. Team Taz rules. Also from this promo we learned that hook has defected from cody and is yeah. now i guess training with his father and the three beef boys that follow him around so hook looks like the little boy that plays batman in the series gotham that's all i can say and he's 21 years old i don't believe it i don't <laughs> i'm excited uh that hook is is with his father I think that's that's where a young man should be. <laughs> and uh, Taz continues to be one of the best promos in the company. Yeah. Why do you think Hook wears his fanny pack as a... Bandolier? As a know. sash. I don't know. <laughs> Is it not a full-on backpack? I just assumed it was one of those over-the-shoulder backpacks that, like, had the, you know, the Velcro where you, you know, in the front. Oh, Maybe. I don't know. I, I thought it was a fanny pack. He's wearing a black hoodie and a black fanny pack or backpack. We can't tell. It all kind of blends together on his person, and he looks 12. <laughs> it's urban <laughs> camouflage. Yeah. I am interested to see what his first wrestling appearance is going to be, since we know nothing about him. But Yeah, I mean, is he too important to debut on Dark, or like, just I, because of what he's associated with, or... I would hope he would come up, at least have, like, before going to Dark to beef up his record, to have some sort of debut on Dynamite. Maybe not wrestling, but maybe coming to the aid of, like, Ricky Starks or something. You know? Jumping in and showing off something. I think they'll put him, like, a six-man tag. Yeah, yeah, I guess guess that makes sense. To, like, debut him on uh, on Dynamite and then put him on Dark. Because you got all of Team Taz to, like, kind of hide his deficiencies there. Yeah. He's been training with Cody. We don't know if he has deficiencies. Maybe he's very good. We'll maybe see. He's the next, maybe he's the next Anna J. Maybe. she. I think she's kind of a miracle case. She looks way better than she should. with yeah. Only. yeah, she's impressive. I mean, what, she... We saw her on her, like, third match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that was less than a year ago. She's killing it. Yeah. All right. It's funny, like, if you think back to that, like, what what must have been just, like, the most horrible circumstances when they had to leave Florida and go to Georgia and do those tapings, and they were cut off from so much of their roster, and just how many people they were able to develop who who, who came to those tapings and have become, like, a you know, a part of that roster now on a regular basis. Like, yeah. so much of the Dark Order, like, 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 because I, I, I think it's, 
I think Alan Angels, Preston Vance, and Anna Jay were all from the, that set of tapings. Yeah, they needed yeah. people to like fill in the gaps. And that's the first, I believe that's the first place they used Abaddon. Yes. No, they used Abaddon. They used Abaddon in Daily's Place? Yes, okay. it was, um, so COVID was happening, but like things hadn't <gasps> shut down yet when You're Abaddon right. appeared, because I remember distinctly our discussion about Abaddon licking the face of Sheeta oh, right, right, and being yeah. really upset of like, guys, like we were close enough COVID. where that, that was maybe questionable. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do well, that. Regardless. I, I think it, it's amazing. Like what a, I think it's a testament to QT Marshall and his school, like how, how many like prospects they've actually turned out who are contributing to the roster now. Is Abaddon part of his school? No. no oh, okay. No. But he has turned out to, like a decent amount of people, and yeah. Spears is with him at that school, right? No, Spears' uh, school is with uh, Tyler Breeze in Florida. Oh, okay. I knew yeah. he was partnered with somebody else. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of two young up and comers, not these two specifically, but Varsity Blondes, they are the point break. Boys of this roster, I would say. Um, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison are apparently a tag team. And so this so this is a reference, a very direct reference to Brian Pillman's father. Uh yeah. in WCW, uh Brian Pillman, Flying Brian Pillman and Stunning Steve Austin were a tag team known as the Hollywood Blondes. Huh. Oh, okay. Brian Pillman Jr. is not a blonde. <laughs> He's got, like, some blonde in his hair. He's got, like, Kenny blonde strands thrown in there somewhere. Mm. Like, somebody took a little bleach and got a couple couple handfuls. Yeah. Uh, and Griff Garrison's, like, a dirty blonde. Yeah. yeah. So these two men are facing off against FTR, which kind of seems like they're punching out of their weight class a little bit. But they... I thought they gave a decent fight. They obviously did lose. Um, Cash of FTR got to pin Brian Pillman Jr. after the FTR boys did their Goodnight Express. But I went into this assuming it would be a smash em, and the Varsity Blondes put up a fight. And Brian Pillman Jr., I think, is very good at taking hits and being the one who gets beat up so that Grip Garrison can get the hot tag. Yeah, I thought it was a good rehab win for FTR because this was their first match since um, Full Gear. Yeah, uh, losing to the Young Bucks, so they needed to get you know they needed to get uh, back on the the winning ways. So yeah, and I, I liked it. It was good. It was it was nice to see a new act on on Dynamite too. Yeah, definitely. Especially like, since I'm not wearing watching watching Dark these days. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. But yeah, so. They lost, which is unfortunate for the Varsity Blondes, but they'll come back into play later. Um, FTR, after they get the win, they leave the ring, but on their way out, they kind of start some shit with Jurassic Express. So maybe that's the direction of their next feud. Um, you know, Luchasaurus gets involved, and I think they push Marco, but it seems like they're going to start something with those that group yeah dax and marco have been going back and forth on twitter this past week since that oh, okay. um so it seems like that's probably the direction for at least i i could see that being like a dynamite match 
Yeah, for sure. Do you think it would be Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus with Marco just on the outside doing his Marco thing? Put him in. That's the thing I don't know, because it has been Marco being the antagonist on Twitter, so I don't know if... But I don't know if we've ever seen the Luchasaurus... Mar- I, I don't think yeah. we've ever seen Marco in a tag match that's not a six-man. No, we have. Have we so seen him? So we've seen the... Marco and Jungle Boy together Okay. Um, while Luchasaurus was hurt. Oh, okay, that's right, yeah. Um, but then we've also seen Marco and Luchasaurus together I, I don't once. remember that, okay. So yeah, so I could see that. Hmm. Okay, I don't remember, but I believe you. Yeah, and, may, seemed... and maybe and maybe that makes more sense, even because I think they're trying to, to some extent, protect Jungle Boy right now, and I think mm-hmm. FDR is definitely going to win that match. Okay. I like Marco wrestling. Me too. Like him wrestling, like him singing. <laughs> he sang on Britt Baker's uh, talk show on Dark last week. Oh, did he? Britt okay. Baker has a talk show on Dark. Yeah, it's called the Waiting Room. Wow. Okay. <laughs> You'd have to watch Dark to see it, so yeah. that'll never happen. But they showed a clip of it. What was Two it? Two weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. I forget who was on that they needed to show a clip of it, but uh, yeah. That explains. Okay, so there was, I think, either this last week's BTE or the one before where somebody walked by Marco and was singing, and Marco screamed, that's my thing. And I'm like, oh, oh. it was the panda guy. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I didn't get that either. Yeah, I'm like, since when is singing your thing? But okay. I, 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 so I think what he was referencing there was like, do you guys remember from like the stories from the Jericho Cruise where he was like, where Marco like friggin' tore it up on, like went on stage with Fozzie and was like, is actually apparently a really good singer? I did not remember that, no. Okay, yeah. But that's good for him. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of unexpected. And All right. Tony Khan has since then talked about here and there like trying to find a way to showcase that like mm. in the AEW product so well you know he could just be Aiden English he could be or another dinner debonair happens yeah because yeah, apparently that's like culture art 2020. New York Times <laughs> they respect it failing New York Times <laughs> <sighs> We'll see. We'll see. If Marco Stunt makes it onto the New York Times for some sort of singing bit he does on AEW, I mean, it. I want to say it's 2020, but that'll probably be 2021. So, yeah. You know, we talk about how 2020 is the shit show of a year, but like, let's be real. 2021's not going to be that much promising for the You got to hope you can only go up. I feel like there's optimism heading into 2021. Sure, there is. There is. New president, vaccine's been approved. Yeah, you're right, there's optimism. Just the sheer fact that the number is rolling over and we get a new one implies like a fresh start. You just gotta go in positive. We're gonna do it. Um, I feel like Adam Page is gonna go into 2021 positive. Because... COVID positive? No. How dare you? He's he's improving in his attitude, and I think he's becoming more confident as a singles wrestler. But he is backstage when Alex Marvez catches up with him and points out that apparently Adam has a six-man tag scheduled for next week, but he has no teammates listed on the schedule. And at this point, uh, because they're standing at a bar, John Silver and Alex Reynolds pop up 
wearing little kid cowboy hats. And <laughs> I think they say something like, hey, partner, we, we can help you out or something like that. But they're like, they're ready to offer their services as two more men for this team that Adam needs. And when Adam's like, no, 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 like, no, thanks, guys. Cool offer, but I don't need you. Alex Reynolds looks at him and goes, well, who else do you have? And that's like a very sad point for Adam. So Adam's like, all right, we'll do Why this. Why did Adam agree to a six-man tag without any partners? Maybe they caught him when he was drinking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, but Adam was like, all right, Dark Order boys, you have been good to me. Let's do this thing. But he makes he makes so many clarifying statements that this will, in fact, be a one-time thing. He's not joining the Dark Order. He does not want to be in the Dark Order and beyond this, they will not be doing anything together. So Reynolds and Silver are extremely excited by this prospect. And they will be joining him in his six-man tag next week. Slow slow build to the further recruitment specialists. Mm-hmm. This is their best get if they can actually close the oh. deal. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is the whale if they can like if they can get him in. Yeah. Where's yeah. Brody Lee? And can he always be gone? I think I I don't know. I don't even want to speculate. So, yeah. Like regardless of when he comes back, uh if he's injured or what, I feel like they're setting it up so that Uno's making the Dark Order a kinder organization and more of like a friendship group and Brody Lee is going to come in and be like, "What the fuck is this? You oh. bunch of losers. Like, what are you doing?" That's what I'm worried about. I was like, I'm I'm enjoying some of this Dark Order stuff, but like as soon as Brody Lee comes back, it's not going right. to be good. So what do you don't you want to speculate on? Well, I don't know if I don't know if he's hurt or if or if he's having some personal issues that are keeping him away. I just don't know. I just don't know to speculate, you know. He's just not there right now. Yeah, like Dave Meltzer wrote in the Observer a couple weeks ago, basically he said like it's radio silence about the about Brody Lee's status. Oh, I hope everything's okay like yeah. i hope, I hope so. his family is good and stuff yeah i mean you always you always think like this year you think like oh shit somebody something happened with covid or something you know something yeah. you know so i don't know oh, i hope yeah. not yeah well hopefully he comes back and he does that and like maybe at that point we get the dark order banding together and being like you were a bad leader get out and then Brody <laughs> Lee goes solo um because i do i really like their new like group dynamic of friendship yeah of like the goofy yeah like yeah i'm 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 all for that yeah if they if they do it to where like hangman kind of comes in and he's like the legitimizing factor and he kind of takes over leadership of of the dark order and it's just like fun hard drinking crew and then brody comes back and he has to contend with the fact that he's been usurped and then you do like a brody hangman feud kind of off of that i could like i could see that being good yeah yeah Yeah. i'd be into that I don't dislike Brody, but I do like the new dynamic. Yeah. And I also think he's totally capable of being a successful wrestler, like, on his own. Yeah. But also, like, it's weird because Brody was so good on BTE. Mm -hmm. And you you wouldn't really have expected that. But, like, he was really good at playing, like, straight man to all these goofballs, especially John Silver, you know? Yeah. Like, he's the one, I think he's, I don't think John Silver would have gotten over as big as he did if not for Brody Lee in those first few weeks there. Because John wouldn't have had anyone to play off of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Alex Reynolds is a good straight man for, like, day-to-day stuff, but Brody Lee being the big bad leader and 
uh, John Silver just being like, I'm fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> like every week. Like that, yep. that's good. <laughs> Did they ever say who they were wrestling next week? Um, they did at the end, but I, Hardy Party. Yeah. Oh, they did here too. Sorry. Uh, Matt Hardy and Private Party. Hardy Party. Gotta figure that's gonna be the last Hardy Party. <sighs> Matt Hardy was really mean to the Private Party on BT. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He told him that they did a bad job, basically. <laughs> this is, this is the only version of Matt Hardy that I've ever kind of liked, <laughs> so I'm fine with this version. You like when he's being a piece of shit to everyone. I I like when Matt looks at the camera, like Matt I look Jackson. At, like Matt Jackson looks at the camera, like like every time anyone acts like that, I look to whomever I'm near, like that. I yeah. agree, I like that. You can finally connect with Matt Jackson on something. Mm-hmm. I do. I like it too. I just I'm surprised that like the Matt Hardy that draws you in is the one that's just a total douchebag. Yeah, yeah. And like Matt Jackson needs to be told by his friend Megan that uh, he's not wearing sunglasses. It's true. That's our that's our code for like, you can't give that look because you're not wearing sunglasses to cover your eyes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I'm just reminded every time I think about Hangman and Private Party, I think about Isaiah Cassidy calling him Hangman Pussy Pants Page. <laughs> yeah. He's responsible <laughs> for the hit, man. Yeah. Did they ever get paid? I think they did. He, no, well, he Chuck, brought the money to Chuck and Trent. And Chuck stole it. That's Chuck, right. Yeah. Chuck did not give that money. I, yeah. I would not say stole. I would say he accepted the money that Hangman threw at him. And, you know, he doesn't know what it's for, but he was given the money. Well, I don't I don't know if this is a good transition because I'm not sure at what point we are in the show. But as we have learned, we all watch Dynamite or BTE. The talent watches Dynamite or BTE. We're not there yet. Damn it! You missed it by by a couple segments. Damn it! <laughs> You're so close, though. That was I respect you. I tried. I tried for you, Megan. But let's get there. We're on the way. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about ten and Dustin Rhodes. All right. So Preston Ten Vance is fighting um, Dustin Rhodes, old but you know still very quick on his feet. Dustin Rhodes. Um, Dustin Rhodes is a marvel. <laughs> He he really is, and he wins this match against, you know, Preston Vance, who's like a large ex-footballer, I believe. You know, he's he's a big guy, tall too, and Dustin still he gets him on the running bulldog, gets that pin. Um, I don't think it's like a terribly long match because mostly what we're trying to get to is the end where the Dark Order run out as they have been doing the past couple weeks, and instead of you know, swarming and attacking, Evil Uno gets on the mic and says, we're not here to fight you. But Dustin, you know, you're part of this family with a huge legacy that brings like a lot of pressure. And he said something like, you're the third most important member of the Nightmare family, (laughs) like at this point in time. Um, And instead of like having all that pressure on you, why don't you come join us and you can be number seven but who would want to be number seven over number three? I certainly wouldn't. Well, I think they're saying that, like, three is too much pressure. Yeah. You know, and also the Dark Order already has a three, four, five. Do they have a six? Who's six? That's a good question. Well, anyway, the reason that he's seven, though, um, is because, this is an inside joke, okay. cast your minds back to 19 and 99, 
as uh, Dustin Rhodes, fresh off of a gold dust run in WWF, left the company, signed with WCW. I think he was actually fired. Uh, signed with WCW and was given a weird, creepy character called Seven, who dressed in like, he was like a gothic cowboy. And yes. was the movie, was this like anything to do with the movie Seven? No, I don't know why the character's name was Seven. It just was. It was okay. real creepy. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, there was like a promo that they did where he was like reciting poetry outside of a child's bedroom. Oh, and that's like, creepy. <laughs> yeah. What? That's creepy. Why is that a good idea, guys? Yeah, but anyway, so that was, it, it, it died a very quick death. It, I think it made, he made actually one in-ring appearance in Seven and then they he just switched to being Dustin Rhodes. But that was what, this is a reference to, and, and Tony Schiavone even said he doesn't want to be that number uh, when uh, when it was mentioned. Okay, thank you for explaining because I don't think I registered that there wasn't a six at the time. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, seven's obviously next, but I didn't get any inside joke on that. So mm-hmm. that's extra kind of insulting though because they could just call him six. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Uno's like. Come to our family. We'll take care of you. Very similar to the pitch they gave Adam Page, which is like, we don't want to hurt you. We just want to be your friend. And Dustin, like, Uno does the Dark Order sign. And then Dustin starts to, like, lift his hand as if he's going to do it and instead slaps Uno across the face, which, you know, sends him flying back into a corner. And the rest of the Dark Order start to converge. And Uno's like, no, 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 no. When you're ready, we'll be here for you. So he stops them from fighting and he basically says, you know, I know you're going to come back to us. And they leave the ring. Uh, and Dustin is left there with his current Nightmare family member, Shoddy Lee Johnson, who is probably, like, number 10 at this point in the night. Like, he <laughs> has no pressure. <laughs> um, so. Man. Uh, He's less was... important to the Nightmare family than the bunny, and the bunny is no longer in it. Yep. <laughs> That's true. I was going to ask, do you think Dustin's really number three, or do you think Pharaoh's number three? Oh wow, good question. I think I think uh, I think Yeti Pinkerton might be number three now. Oh my god, he is so cute. Uh, Brady got a new pup. Oh, really? oh my god, it's this little fluffo. <laughs> we just wanted. His oh. name is His name is Yeti Pinkerton. Okay, damn. All right, yeah. that's quite a name. Watch out, Pharaoh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that pushes Dustin even further down the line. Yeah. Rough. All right. I think I respect the Dark Order like shooting their shot on these people, like Adam and Dustin. They're going for yeah, it. They're get, they're getting irons back in the fire, but like they were in the old days. Yeah, good for them. I miss the Dark Order spokesman guy. Honestly, where is he? That guy was really good. He and yeah, and it's not like he was just a like pre-tape guy because he 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 came out to to the arena a few times. Mm-hmm. He did. Maybe maybe he hasn't in the pandemic era. I don't know. I'm assuming he's not. Maybe he was a fly-in that they didn't really feel like is worth it at this point. Ugh, I I really liked his his gimmick, and I thought he did the the cult leader messaging very well. Even he wasn't the leader, obviously, but the being the spokesperson. Ugh, I I do miss him. I I hope they record some commercials with him or something at some he point. He was he was very good. Oh oh. Looking oh at God. fluffball Daddy pictures. Is so cute. I love it. I need something to love. That's making me want to get a dog. Oh, I know. oh my God. 
Oh my god, Megan, you're gonna love this one. All right, you have to put away Instagram so that we can get through the rest of this, but I well, do... Well, let's just look at this one last picture. Oh, he's so cute. So cute. Okay, damn it, Nightmare Family, your pets are so cute. Go look at Brandy's Instagram account. Clearly, she is marketing this well. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean, like, if anybody's going to make their cute new puppy look good, it's good. So, with that, I guess we will, speaking of Brandy, move on to the next segment, wherein Tony Schiavone sits down with Brandy Rhodes and Shaq. What a fun group. So, why is, why is Brandy there? Well, I guess because Shaq's, um, I don't even know how to frame the relationship, but Jake Cargill, who represents Shaq, Shaq is pals with Jade Cargill, and Jade Cargill is feuding with Brandy, so I think Shaq was there to try to, like, I don't know, broker peace or something. I couldn't figure out why the hell Shaq was here. Well, Jade Cargill showed up originally to say, like, her boy Shaq was around, but I guess they're just pals? I, I, you know, it's unclear if she was going to be his manager or what, but... There are holes in this storyline, like, in a Lifetime movie. Okay. Well, Jade Cargill showed up, said she represented Jack, and then in the interim has put Brandy's arm in a chair and stomped on it, which is break to break it, which is why Brandy shows up in a sling. And so just to start this off, to set the tone, like Tony interview introduces Brandy as like chief brand officer, which is her title. Well, yeah. And then he says a lot more about Jack, um, including his like current role with Papa John's. <laughs> But um, he says, like, it's like the Kenny intro compared to the John Moxley intro. Yeah. There's some disparity there. And so it's Brandy- like Tony Schiavone went into Brandy's office, did coke off of her desk. Wow. <laughs> this is a weird diehard reference that no one's going to get. Yeah, it's like that. It's like he powers It's such a slap her. in the face. And well, I think it's sexist. You think Tony's sexist? No, but I think I think that he could have, you know, given her a little bit more of an intro. I mean, she's the chief brand officer. That's what he called her. And but like Brandy goes, <laughs> I love what she said. She's like, you put all that butter on his toast when you introduce Shaq. You just called me chief brand officer. And I'm like, Brandy, that is what you are. Like, that's well, that is what she title. is. But like he. He gave Shaq more than what he is. I mean, Shaq's a pretty important dude. I'm not going to throw shade at Shaq. He's a basketball legend, and now he... I don't know if he owns Papa John's, but he's, like, high <laughs> on the list. <laughs> on Papa John's commercials, those garlic knots, we will also... Shaq, we will shill garlic knots. Yeah, yeah we stand a legend, Shaq. We stand a legend, so... Yeah. Send garlic knots, please. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... I. I feel like to say Shaq is not accomplished would be unfair. No, um, Shaq is definitely accomplished. I, 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 I get it. You wanted Brandy to get some of that love. She yeah. did too. She did too. Yeah. Uh, did you notice how Shaq looked like comparative in size <laughs> to everyone else in the room? He looked like uh, the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. He might be like three <laughs> times so the size high. of Brandy. Yeah. Sitting in that chair, he like, he was like, 
his knees were high because he was so like slumped. Yeah. He is he hasn't even stood up yet. Imagine <laughs> when he stands up and like imagine when he's like face to face with Cody. He's not gonna be face to face, it's gonna be awesome. Be face like, to like belly button. <laughs> yeah. He's oh, I cannot down. wait for that. Cody needs to be put in his place. <laughs> well, I think you're gonna get it. Well, I'm I, I'm excited for that. Brandy does not. I think Brandy Brand- needs to be put up on her pedestal, and no one is doing that. No. Brandy's handling her business. Because, look, okay, Tony didn't give her much credit compared to Shaq. Fine. But Brandy's like, you know, she's here. She's pissed. And then Shaq gives, like, a very weak apology. Not even that. He just says, like, Jade Cargill is my girl, but I didn't appreciate what she did to your arm. And Brandy's like, well, that's cool. But if Jade, come, Jade comes at me again, I'm going to have to take care of business. And I hope we can do this without anybody else getting hurt. But Brandy was, like, ready to cut a bitch, you know? Yeah. I hope she brings, like, a weapon because there's no way she's going to be able to, like, like, that girl is, like, she's ripped. Very muscular. I have never seen muscles on a person like that. Like, it, she is all muscle. She, like, is, she is more ripped than Bianca Belair. Who yeah, I think was the most ripped wrestler, I, woman like, wrestler I'd seen before that. Terrifying. Yeah. So, like, I hope Brandy brings like Yeti. <laughs> Bianca deadlifted people, which makes me feel like oh. Jade Cargill can deadlift. I mean, more than people. Bianca, <laughs> like, I was always impressed with. Like, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. She yeah. she might be able to deadlift Shaq. She probably that's probably how she trains. <laughs> deadlift shack in her garage (laughs) so like in addition to all this stuff that's happened with brandy apparently shack has gotten into a twitter fight with cody recently that's what he said why is shack in a twitter okay first off because of this why is anyone in a twitter fight to promote their wrestling show yeah well that's why all the people we cover are in twitter fights how much do you think shack's getting paid for this um I don't know. Some like a good amount. He also works for Turner Sports, so it's probably like mm. co-promotion for Inside the NBA, which is his show. But they never mentioned that. They will. I mean, Tony Schiavone literally mentioned it. I was going to say, but Tony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tony, ever the professional. Well, Shaq's sorry about that Twitter brief he got into with Cody, and it sounds like they they like resolved it. Um, but he also says like I'm really hyped to see uh, you and my girl Jade fight. Brandy and Brandy's like okay, and then this is, this is how you know he's not a, a real fan because I don't think anyone's excited about a Brandy Rhodes Jade Cargo match. No. <laughs> well, not unless Brandy brings Yeti out onto the mat. Yeah, Shaq, and is then being, I am I am in for that. Shaq is being paid to be here, and at some point I'm sure he'll he's gonna like hold a Papa John's pizza up. Okay, like we all know what his deal is. But Just hold up the garlic knots. That's really can you can you have a beer instead? Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Inner couple fighting. <laughs> Pop of the you. week. Pop of the week ends in a beer. Uh yeah. So Shaq I am and... always willing to share my champagne. All but my I... beers downstairs. Oh. Uh, I'll just go without drinking. I'll I'll go get you a beer from downstairs. No, that's fine. Don't worry about it. I got it. This is cooperation, people. This is uh couples couples working together. So, okay, while Jenny's gone, because she's so down on Shaq, <laughs> so I'm just going to go with, like, Shaq, uh, Shaq is kind of a dick. 
in this. Shaq? His, his like, his, like, one last thing line was a little over the, it was a little over the top. That was kind of a dick move. Yeah. He's, he said, like, Brandy gets up and she's like, you know, I, she's already said her piece about not wanting anybody to get hurt and that she and Jade are going to settle things. And then Shaq's like, hey, Brandy, while your arm's in that sling, maybe you should watch Jade and get some pointers on wrestling. And then I just, I feel like that was unnecessary. So Brandy picks up a glass of water that is, you know, near Tony and she no, throws it on Shaq. Tony- it's it's a glass of water that Tony has been holding conspicuously since the beginning of the segment. He's <laughs> okay. just hold, like because because he's the first one on camera in the segment, and he's sitting there saying like, "Hey, I'm Tony Schiavone, and I'm here with Brandy and Shaquille O'Neal." And the whole time he's just holding this water. He never takes a drink from it. <laughs> I mean, he could have. It wouldn't have hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she takes it and she throws it on Shaq, and Shaq, he's not a wrestler, so I could see him preparing to take that bump before it even happened. So he gets he gets soaked with water and the last shot uh is of him looking like startled. But Brandy, her parting words are you're an asshole <laughs> like after she throws water on overgrown him. asshole. You're an overgrown asshole and then she walks away and Shaq we get the last shot of Shaq just sitting there in his tiny chair soaking in water and it's like uh oh Shaq's gonna be mad about that. We get the uh, the wah wah shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I thought it was. I mean, I don't really know where it's leading. I assume to a mixed tag team match, but I I just like seeing Shaq. Shaq's like been this like superstar in our culture for almost thirty years. Yeah. And I don't know. He still looks like a guy who could do some damage if he wanted to. I mean, Shaq is strong. Do you think? I'm assuming he doesn't know the ins and out of professional wrestling, but I bet he could pick Cody up and just like toss him somewhere. Yeah, I think they can they can do a they can do a thing where they script they can script a match and practice it to where he's able to do like two or three things that look cool and then and you know you can get through it that way. Okay. All right. You think it's gonna be like a mixed tag um with Shaq and Jade versus Cody and Brandy or that they're going to settle their differences in separate matches. No, I think it's going to be a mixed tag. Okay. Yeah. Just based, just based on what we've seen so far. I hope it's a Papa John's pizza match. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but they did a mimosa match, and I think you can make a Papa John's pizza match. I don't want to see a Papa John's pizza match. How much just grease and garlic <laughs> sauce. Get all that sauce and cheese out there. Oh. Just oh. just a bed of Pop John's pizzas that they wrestle on. And then afterwards, the boys can eat it for a snack. Mm-hmm. All right. I just made myself throw up in my mouth. Uh, so I'm going to move on to the next segment, which is the Inner Circle Ultimatum. Guys, is the Inner Circle going to last beyond this show? The answer is maybe. Um, we start this segment with the inner circle walking out and while they were doing this i just thought in my head like ultimatums are a terrible idea if you want to maintain a healthy relationship so maybe this isn't a great start but uh jericho opens and says you know i'm not happy with all the recent shit that's been going on with the inner circle when i formed this group this was definitely not what i had intended so we got to figure this 
this out and he goes through everyone's grievances and says Santana is so pissed off he didn't even show up this week. But I just want to clarify that I believe Santana's stepdad passed away and that is why he's not here. So Santana's had a really horrible year and our hearts go out to him. Yeah, that's super rough. And Santana, I hope you have enough time to like grieve and recover from 2020 because that sucks his father at the beginning of the year like god yeah he's had a tough one um and it sounded like i i think i saw it on instagram but it sounded like he was very close to his stepdad too so this whole thing has just been kind of a shit show for him so good luck santana and sorry that 2020 has got you bad but anyway okay so Santana's not there. We got the rest in the inner circle. Um, and Jericho makes the brilliant suggestion that, hey, let's all air our grievances, which is a terrible idea. Never air your grievances. That's how you lose friends. Yeah, only um, Festivus. Yeah. <laughs> what is the, in front of the pole, what is it? It's like a... There's like a metal pole, right? Festivus yeah. Pole? yeah you, you, uh, it's, it's, you display feats of strength. You air your grievances, and then you have the the Festivus poll. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you should ever like full on air your grievances. <laughs> I think if you that's... want to remain friends with people. Yeah, everyone has grievances, and I think if you judge how uh, extreme they are versus how petty they are, you can keep a lot more friends if you just keep those petty grievances to yourself. It's fine. But anyway, so Jerica opens the store. MJF gets on the mic and he's like, you know, I love every one of you like a brother. He calls Ortiz an essay, which I feel like is maybe problematic. Um, and then he he also goes so far as to acknowledge that maybe I'm the problem. He says that people on Twitter and in other places are claiming that he's only there to break up the group and that maybe that seed of doubt is what's causing issues amongst his brothers um but that he wants to reassure them he's only there because he wanted to join the group and form friendship bonds like those in band of brothers so you know pure thoughts uh at this point sammy interrupts him because obviously he can't take any more of this bullshit and jericho is like sammy 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 we all saw dynamite last week i guess the the white towel issue has been clarified. Jericho understands that Sammy was not the one who brought it out. Um, but MJF tries to play it off like, I was sweating a lot. It's Florida. No, it was 40 degrees. Yeah. We covered the weather, MJF. Yeah. You were not sweating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's a loose excuse, but he's going with it. And then uh, Ortiz grabs the mic and he's like, look. MJF, you and Wardlow are assets. I understand why it's important to have you around. I don't like you, but that's what it is. Uh, he does like Wardlow. He tells him, Wardlow, never change. Because obviously Wardlow's perfect. And then he says, you know, MJF... I thought that would have come from John Silver, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, somewhere John Silver's like, yeah, <laughs> pop that shirt off, MJF, or Wardlow. <laughs> Show us those pecs. Do that weird bouncing thing that freaks me out so much. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Oh, ooh, ooh. I true I truly hate it. I don't care how attractive I mean, you are. Just never bounce your pecs at me. Isn't that how Triple H like tore his pec and had to get surgery? Did By you, like did you vanity that bouncing? Was true? 
Yeah. No. In my mind, that's how I thought he He was trying to show off and he pulled a peck or something? Like that yeah. one guy that, like, was, like, headbanging or something and, like, threw out, like, his shoulder or something? Uh-huh. On his Sammy way to the Zane. ring? Sami Zayn? Yeah. 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 Like, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Get too excited. Get excited. Well, okay, yeah. Wardlow's perfect ever change, but don't say the pack bounce. Um, MJF, you suck, but apparently Ortiz says he's growing on him. So the result of this is they need to get along, and he tells Sammy to be the better man and shake MJF's hand. And MJF, uh, he looks offended by this, but he says, all right, and extends his hand. So it's up to Sammy now. This was Ortiz's best best promo work i loved it i was like look at you you're growing as a character like i thought he was angry yeah i mean before all all we get are like screaming the best the best obnoxiously and this was like wonderful promo work ortiz like great development Mm -hmm. he's showing like real human emotion being like i'm so tired of my friends fighting and i can't put up with this bullshit anymore let's just get this done with yeah. He should really audition to be on a housewife show. <laughs> the real housewives of AEW. <laughs> yeah. FYI, uh, we'll get in more into it later, but um, uh, Santana is back next week, or going to be back on this next Dynamite. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see where he lands because uh, at this point, with Ortiz's prodding, Sammy. Moose forward and he gets in Jericho's face and is like, I trust you completely. But. So I will shake the hand. But if anything happens with MJF, anything after this, like, I will quit the inner circle. I will leave myself. And I just want you to understand that. And Jericho says, okay, yes. So they shake hands. At this point, we've got a very tense, like, situation. And Jericho goes, so everything's cool, right? We're all good. And then Haker, in my favorite part of this, speaks up and goes, no, why is Wardlow always staring at me? I hate this guy staring at me. And Wardlow's like, you're always staring at me. And then they have this big argument about who's staring at who. And Jericho has to, like, shut them up and say, stop, okay? Everybody's going to agree to stop staring at each other. And they they kind of hesitantly go, okay, sounds good. And then the rest of the segment, they're just side-eyeing each other. <laughs> so they're not truly staring at each other, but they never break eye contact. And I just, I think Wardlow and Hager really deserve some credit here because they did really well, and I loved it. Loved WWE it so much. never used Jake Hager like one-tenth as well as AEW has. I think that's true of a lot of their people, but yeah. yeah. But I think it's really glaring with Hager because Hager's a guy they tried to go with as like a main eventer and they just didn't, it was just, they just did a terrible job and he's been so effective this past year. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Yeah. I hope his beliefs improve, but I'll agree with that. (laughs) So to close on this segment, after all this stuff and this turmoil, MJF is like, Hey, I'm going to beat the shit out of Orange Cassidy, and I'm going to do that for you, Jericho, because he's beaten you twice, and uh, that's a hard thing to do, and I would know, (laughs) because he's done it. Just like, all right. Um, The the negging is so good. 
It's so good, but Jericho Jericho can't even deal with it. He just looks at him and he goes, Max, you're ruining it. <laughs> he like makes him stop. And then he's like, All right, boys, let's let's band together. And they very like slowly and hesitantly come together for a group like middle fingers in the air, shield level, like unity thing. And and that's where we leave it. So I guess they're friends. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think this was this was one of my favorite inner circle segments to date. I thought everybody was really good, and they actually had they actually had something to convey. Okay, this was very good, but it was not better than the um, private box area up in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, yeah. Nor was it better than um, please Britsburg. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, when they brought out the like all of the presents out onto the ring. Oh, Jericho's like it wasn't his 30th anniversary show, but it was like just celebrating Jericho. Yeah, yeah. And like they brought out like the flip flop, and they had the 40, like a little bit of the 40 and stuff like that. That was a really good promo. Is it a Christmas thing? Maybe. I can't remember, and maybe that makes it less good, but, like, I really, I remember, I remember visually what it was, but I don't remember. Was that the one where his dad, like, came out of the large present? Yeah. 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 I liked that. Yeah, that was good. I liked that segment. We learned a lot about Puerto Rican culture that week. Yeah, I know, and the, the flip-flop, <laughs> and um, the um, looked sandwich. looked up some, like, food, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, and yeah. I think we all had realized we had never had... Like true Puerto Rican food. Yeah. And we would like to try it. Well, let's go to Puerto Rico. Yeah. Sure. I mean, Megan, I don't think you need a passport for that. Thank God, because I'm too lazy. And no, it's a U.S. territory. Yeah. COVID and whatnot. Yeah. It should be a state. Uh, sure. I mean, you know, I don't know what what means we got it through, but I feel like mm, Mm. probably bad. We probably did some bad stuff. I think they want to be a state. Yeah, oh, okay. because well, I think they pay for things, but they're not. They're not. Rep- they don't have representation. Yeah. yeah, representation without taxation without representation. Yeah. Thank you. Said Hamilton. Knew I knew from the Hamilton <laughs> song. Well, obviously from other things, but from social studies. Mm-hmm. But Hamilton the musical. Yeah, learned about hardball and uh, love it when you call me Big Papa from social studies as well. Oh, that's right, yeah. I truly don't know any other words to that song. Throw your hands in the hair if you're a true player. The air, not the hair. I said air. Okay. Hands um, in the hair. Uh, I see some ladies tonight who should be having my baby. I don't, I don't support that unless you're going to pay for that baby. <laughs> and like, Unless she know. wants that baby. Unless she wants the baby, you're going to pay for the baby, and you're going to help take care of the baby. I don't support that shit. Birth control all the way. To all the ladies in the place with style and grace, allow me to lace these lyrical douches in your bushes who rock grooves and make moves with all the mommies. The back of the club, sipping Moet is where you'll find me. The back of the club, Mac and Hoes, my crew's behind me. Mad question asking, blunt passing, music blasting. But I just can't quit because one of these honeys Biggie got to creep with. Ew, don't say creep with. (laughs) That's a good way to describe what's going to happen. This is like predatorial. 
Yeah, but he said something about Moet, so you like it. Yeah, and I like yeah. that you pronounced Moet correctly. Well, yeah. It's a hard T, people. It's a hard T because it's not a French family. Exactly. Yeah. It's a French it's a French wine. Right. But it's not a French family. Right. Yeah. This has taken a lot of weird tangents. We visited Moet. Indeed. And uh <laughs> oh my god, do you remember? They had um so when you go on these wine visit winery visits, um, Megan, you've been on many as well. Um yep. and in California, you you've had to watch the videos, right? Had to. You guys insist on it. It's like, I'm not here to do, like, a book report. <laughs> I love it. I love learning about wine and the process of making it. Um, but Moet's was the most pretentious, bougie bullshit I've ever seen. Like, it was, it was something else. Andy and I were chuckling the whole time. Like, I thought we were going to get thrown out of Moet because we were making fun of their video. Not classy enough for this tour. No. And then what? We had um, our tasting. Um, we didn't like either of the champagnes we tried. No. 2006, not a good year for Moet. <laughs> That's hot insider knowledge for all you people out there yeah. listening. All right. Well... Now that we've got the lyrics to that one song, I don't even know the title. I love when you call me Big, Big Papa. Papa. Okay. It's uh, Hardball with Keanu Reeves. Watch it. Good movie. It's actually Sorry. a really good movie. R.I.P. Uh, no, oh, I'm not going to I'm not gonna spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. R.I.P. Somebody dies. Um, anyway. Baseballs dies. <laughs> <laughs> These murders might be connected. They might be. All right. R.I.P. Beastmalls. Um, okay, but <laughs> let's wrap it back down around to like dynamite. Let's get back into this groove, uh, and let's do that by going and seeing uh, Alex Marvez interview FTR. Marvez is like, "Hey, FTR, congratulations on your big first win after losing the AEW World Tag Team Titles." And they got the win against Varsity Blondes. So I don't know how prestigious that is, but they did get the win. But sometimes um, it's just, you know, you just need to get, get the reps back in and getting back in the rhythm of winning, even if it's against a, a lesser opponent. True. It, it feels good to have victory. So mm-hmm. um, it gets, like, sad, though, because immediately Cash is like, I take full responsibility for losing the tag titles to the Bucks. That's on me. And, what, and, and why, Megan? What did he do? Just, like, his name Cash. Flips. He did a flip. He did do a flip. Yeah. And not, he That's what did he said. do a flip. He said, he said that he tried to beat them at their own game, and that was a mistake, and it was his fault. I mean, don't be bringing flips to a Nick Jackson party. He is going to beat you in the flip game any day of the week. Well, they, they beat them in the flip game, so. Don't bring flips to the Nick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, don't worry, because Tully is right there to be like, it was not your fault, Cash. It's my fault. I wasn't there. And we're the strongest when we're all together. So it's on me that you guys lost. And then Dax does not join in on the pity party in in that, like, he doesn't say, no, it was my fault. I think he's just okay with the two of them taking credit for losing the titles. Instead, he makes a very long metaphor about a Ford Bronco. And I don't really... Mario um, Andretti. Mario Andretti's there. Does Mario Andretti drive a Ford Bronco? I thought he drove a NASCAR car. Um... 
Well, and a Formula One car, you know, and an Indy car. And uh, I thought yeah. only men with really small penises drove Broncos <laughs> because the only the only reference I have to that car is on Selling Sunset. The twins that are like five foot five and OJ Simpson clearly have some yeah. like small dick like energy. Uh, bought a Bronco and we're driving it around. I was going to say yeah. OJ. The most famous Ford Bronco is definitely the one that OJ was in a car chase. I was like five. Yeah, you were not like five. No, because I remember watching ten. it. I do too, but I, we were young. I still remember watching it. You know, but I thought it was white. It was a white truck. Yeah, it was a white, it was Ford, a white Bronco. Ford Bronco. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't big. Like, um, uh, were Broncos back in 1995 smaller? I don't think so. I mean, it was it was a luxury thing. It didn't yeah. look like Simpson. he was like it an. It didn't look like the Bronco I saw in Selling Sunset. Is well, all I'm sure, saying. Well, that's that was 25 years ago. Well, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. I think it was a smaller Bronco. Also, I remember the white truck. I yeah, believe, that's not what a Bronco looks like these days. Okay. So I'll show you. You can recently, show me, but we need to move on. Recently, <laughs> they revamped it because of the bad press of you know being the car that OJ Simpson was chased down the highway in. So I think they've like remodeled it a bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so um, doesn't Steve Austin have one of those like from the early '90s? Doesn't he always talks about his like Ford Bronco on his podcast? Do you remember? I'm, I'm sure you've heard him say it before. Yeah, I don't remember for sure, but I fully believe it because. Steve Austin seems like the kind of guy who... Huh? 1966. Oh, gosh, Jenny. What are you talking about? 1966. 1966 restored classic Ford Bronco. Oh, I guess it was a classic Ford Bronco. Yeah. It has, like, those monster tires on it. That's not, like, the Bronco. No, like... That just looked like a Ford Tonka. Tonga? Tonga? Tronco? Nope. What's Tonka? You're just, making Ford truck? You're just making war or is that? No, there's a Ford truck. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, yes. Yeah, so FDR, they're, they're going to make a comeback because they're tough like a Ford Bronco and they're, and they, and they've got a, uh, they've got a smooth driver in Tully Blanchard who is equivalent to Mario Andretti. I mean, I guess good compliment to yes. Tully. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I expected them to come back. I kind of, I was like, oh man, you're fighting a team called Varsity Blondes. That's such a big step down from the Bucks. But like you said, it is good that you kind of get the, the winning momentum going. And I'm sure they'll face actual, like, more legitimate tag opponents in the future. So good for them. Uh, the next match. Moving on from the Ford Bronco metaphor that just got out of control. We you have to cut that shit again, aren't you? What? The Bronco stuff. Why? Why would I cut it? I don't know. Okay. So I don't, like, I don't know if you know this about me, but I don't like editing. <laughs> you used to edit our podcast. I used to have more time. <laughs> Eddie Kingston and his family, which now consists of the Butcher and the Blade, because he lost some of them. Uh, They're facing Lance Archer and the Lucha Brothers, who were his family. And, you know, 
Lance Archer's pissed at Eddie Kingston for some reason. So we got the six-man tag, and surprisingly, Eddie and his family get the win. The Blade gets to pin Ray Phoenix. Um, but I do think there's, like, you know, some shenanigans that happen. Um, poor Lance. He gets taken down because he's, like, a giant man, and they start going for his knee. And also, the Butcher, at the very beginning of the match, puts Penta through a table, which I believe kayfabe hurts his knee, but not for real. I hope not for real. And he has to be carried out. He So he is has been already dealing with a leg injury, so they did that spot to take him out of the match, but the, the, that spot did not hurt him. Okay, good. Because he yeah. grabbed a knee that I didn't think when they re-showed it, like, had anything to do with hitting the table. It just, you know... A couple refs came and pulled him out, so then it became a two-on-three match very quickly. So yeah, um, uh, he and Phoenix had a tag team match at tri- uh, Triple Mania last night, and they actually kind of did the same sort of angle where, like early in the match, they they did an injury spot with Pentagon so he could kind of take most of the match off, and then he came back for the finish. Okay, good. I, so he's I'm just hoping. he's just unfortunately working through an injury when he probably should take time off, but. At least they're trying to protect him as much as possible. That's good. Okay. No. Glad he's not actually hurt. But, yeah. yeah. I thought Ray was going to get another concussion when he did his Tope <laughs> Con Hero and just slammed his head right on the ground. Yeah. I love Ray, but I worry. He's very, he's very reckless. Yeah, and he's at an age where he shouldn't be. Like, yeah. you should have realized, like, the reality of death. By that age, yeah, like the top flight guys should be should be risking their necks right. every week right now. <laughs> like, like, I, I, my my attitude when I was under twenty five versus like over thirty, very different. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's I fair. Think, I didn't I didn't think a lot of this match to be quite honest. I didn't think it. I didn't really think they gelled, and maybe I I don't know what it was, but it didn't do a lot for me. No, and I don't and I don't say that a lot about uh, about dynamite matches, so. It was a lot of like, like once you took Penta out, it was a lot of Ray getting beaten up by the Butcher and the Blade. And then Eddie and Lance kind of, kind of going at each other. But um, Eddie actually didn't do much in the match, which is fine with me because I don't really care to see him wrestle. But like, it was, uh, I don't know, it was almost like a, like a big guy match, but without the compelling n- angle of it, you know, because Ray just got beaten up and then Lance got tagged in and he had like a minute and then he got beaten up. I don't know. I, I feel like at the end of all this, Lance, like after the match, Lance got really mad and he started attacking Eddie and his family while they're celebrating and he hit everyone, but he really focused a lot of his energy on the blade so i don't know if maybe they're gonna like i don't know let him beat that guy up but i thought lance ultimately wanted to kill eddie for some reason i think that um i think they probably just had him beat up the blade as a to like to you you create a scenario where eddie kind of escaped like saved himself by escaping okay he did i mean he was not a a brave leader in this match by any means no. So. All right. So after that match, we go backstage where there's an attack occurring. The vicious vixens are going after Red Velvet. 
Um, because obviously Brandy is not around. She was with Shaq and whatnot. Uh, so this time Serena Deeb and Big Swole uh, once again come to the rescue, but Ivelisse and Diamante get involved and they are obviously on the vicious vixen side because they're heels. So I don't know if that means they're like trying to get in the gang or whatever, but they helped out with the Jude, attack. Jude Cargill was there too. Yes. Oh, I just assume she's a vixen now, but yes, you're right. I don't right. think she is, but maybe she, I don't know. Maybe she is. She, she's helping them at least, but yeah, yeah. she, she was leading the charge. Uh, after that, we go back to the ring where... That uh, actually sets up a match for next week. Oh, um, yes, it does. Deeb and Big Swole will wrestle Ivelisse and Diamante. Yes. Um, but yeah, so after that, we get a match with um, she who should not be named facing off against a, I want to say, person we've never seen before in Tesha Price. This was, in fact, her Dynamite debut, they said. Has she been on Dark? Yeah. Okay. Well, she's here to get beat up, so I don't, you know, I'm sorry, Tesha, but not. it's not a long match. It's a very quick smash them, and then the real story happens afterwards when Abaddon, I'm only saying it once, being herself, <laughs> <laughs> um, she goes nuts on Tesha, even though she's won, and Hikaru Shida has to run out in her workout gear and she looks a little scared, but she's got her kendo sticks and then she kind of finds her resolve and she runs out there and she hits a with her kendo stick and grabs Tesha price, pulls her out of the ring to safety. And then, um, you know, the evil one does the undertaker sit up where after getting hit with the kendo stick, she was not taken down. She in fact sits up and watches as, Sheeta and Tesha kind of leave. The more I think about this feud, the more I think that it's going to be fine because I think they're just going to have the match and Sheeta's going to beat her. I don't... I The way that they book Abaddon, she's having these, like, 90-second matches, mm-hmm. and I think... I think part of it's because of her character as a monster, but I think all well, the other part of it is, like, I don't think she's that good... So, so I don't think she can have like but longer. Her character's long... great. Her character's good, but she's not technically great. Yes, but I just don't think it. It wouldn't surprise me if she's not far enough along where she could be having like good, regular like ten minute TV matches. Yeah, I could see that. I also kind of wonder, like, I'm not saying it's impossible, but how would you craft? that story or any angles if if that was like your women's champ you know like i think abaddon's cool as like a weird kind of sight and act because you never see it but i just don't know that that's how does that work as like the face of your women's roster it doesn't yeah i mean there's a i mean and that's the reason i think i think that's a a big part of the reason that the undertaker was never like world champion for any extended period of time because it doesn't really work with him as you know as with his zombie as your top belt holder <laughs> right this mystic creature holds yeah. your belt yeah sorry people who wrestle yeah <laughs> a god of the underworld has now claimed your title it will happen yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I would agree I think you're probably right it's gonna be a 
an attempt, but not a succeeding at getting the title for her. But yeah, I still think I still think they're probably. I think I think Sheeta versus Britt at the February pay per view probably makes the most sense for the title change at this point. Yeah, there's not many others around to, and and I think you switch it. Yeah, me too. I think I think it's I think it'll be time at that point. I I love Sheeta, but. I think there's they're more not doing with, anything with that storyline. There's more of an upside with Britt at this point. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Britt doesn't even really have to wrestle. She just has to walk around being kind of a like smarmy, like do her whole yeah, shtick that she's already day. doing. Yeah, yes. Keep. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, speaking of Jericho, the next segment is a very brief interview with with the Inner Circle. Dasha is there, and she just says, you know. Because you've agreed to stay together tonight, does that mean everyone's on the same page? And even though clearly they're not, Jericho grabs the mic and says, yes, of course. Of course we are. And he says that to show that, they'll all be ringside for MJF's match against Orange Cassidy, which is the main event for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. And that happens after the next segment, which is the in-ring interview with Tony Schiavone and Kenny Omega and Don Callis. And this is where we basically recap what happened on um, Impact. Uh, I do love that Kenny and Don arrived by hell like a couple bosses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that they, like, big-time Alex Marvez, who runs outside to try and chase them down, and they're like, no, 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 we're going to speak indoors. Goodbye. So, sorry, Marvez. They changed their route to avoid it. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Kenny got to enter the like through the heel tunnel, so it's very clear that this change has occurred. Mm-hmm. And when he gets out there, Tony, I think his only role in this is to be appalled and say, like, what about the gentleman's agreement? And also, what happened last week was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in wrestling, which I feel like is probably a lie. Yeah, agreed. Um, but he, he goes with it. And so... Then Don Callis grabs Mike and is like, yeah, everyone's upset, but that's wrestling, baby. And <laughs> pretty much is like, uh, he says exactly, you're welcome, Tony Khan, for your first lesson in wrestling. This is what we're doing here. And goes on to just basically like, he acknowledges that apparently people are comparing this last week to the Montreal Screwjob, which seems bananas to me. Um, and Callis goes, stakes were higher at our match, so it's more important, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, and he and Kenny just kind of, to sum it up, say, like, they've been planning this takeover for years. They've been working together. I believe on Impact, Don Callis said that he's known Kenny since he was 10. So this has all been in the works, and they got everyone to fall for it. And Kenny is now using his uh, catchphrase to say goodbye, and that is goodbye and goodnight, bang. So he brought that back. And everybody's really excited, both on Impact and on this program, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I other yeah. love the gun stuff. You don't like Bang Bang? Mm. I think Don Callis is great. Yeah. Uh, I think he's hilarious and like just as much of a shitbag as the cleaner is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good pairing. Yeah. Yeah, and I I say that thinking like Kenny doesn't need a mouthpiece because he's already very good at it. 
So the fact yeah. that he's got somebody else to help him be his like shitty manager is great. Yeah. So. But yeah, like largely this was a recap of what he said on Impact to Joss Matthews. So. But you know, to a much larger audience, so it was important. Yeah. True. And he looked like Don Johnson. He had a white yeah, he did. coat on. <laughs> Over a t-shirt. Yeah. But his t-shirt wasn't neon. No, it wasn't. He's an update. Mm. And with that, we go to our main event. MJF versus Orange Cassidy for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. MJF gets to keep it. But he only gets to keep it because of cheating. Lots and lots of cheating, guys. Well, so, and, like, what was Orange Cassidy going to do with that ring? Well, it's true, but, uh, you know, Orange put up this valiant fight. He got he got really beat up. His fingers, I assume, are broken. Um, he got tossed to the outside where the inner circle cheated a lot and beat him up when they shouldn't have. And in the end, Miro appeared to be the one to take him out in a way that was... You know, kind of unfair. And so, while MJF is going to do more with the ring, you can't say Orange Cassidy didn't give his best and try to win it and was basically screwed out of it. Have they moved... Has this feud, like, transitioned to Miro versus Orange Cassidy before they even do the best friends versus Kip and Miro match? I got the impression that this is Miro... Like... I guess targeting the best friends, but also, like, Trent was the first one up in his face. And I think Trent and Miro have, like, this Yeah, they thing. have, like, the history from FCW. Yeah, so I feel like if they're going to do it, they'll do Trent and Miro before they bring in the whole gang. But They could do that. I thought this match was pretty good. Um, I really like, there was a spot early on where Orange was went to do the, the, the Superman punch. And they were on the apron. And... MJF ducked out of the way, so Orange accidentally Superman punched the ring post, which, you know, obviously that would hurt. So then MJF stuck Orange's hand in his pocket and then picked him up and suplexed him onto his, like, arm, basically, on the apron. Yeah. It was cool. It was, like, so it was basically working the hand. Yeah, and the announce team implied by the end that, like, when Orange Cassidy was doing his... I think he did two in succession, but his orange punch, it was less effective because of how much damage his hand had taken. So I thought that was, it was good that they kind of progressed that story. And then they did like the, they they tried to do like the Eddie Guerrero, um, like cheating spot where you throw an object at somebody and they catch it and you pretend, but Orange Cassidy is so casual that he didn't, he didn't reflexively catch the bat when MJF threw it at him. (laughs) He just let it drop to the ground and then he put his hands on his pockets and laid down. <laughs> well, he waited for MJF to be like, what the hell? And then MJF picks up the bat and Orange is like, he, yeah. bye. Then he yeah. took the bump. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, this whole thing, like, broke, like, it broke down to a huge brawl mm-hmm. uh, afterwards. And it's, and Jenny's going to be so excited when I tell her what they announced uh, a day later. A 14-man no! tag team match for Dynamite. The entire inner circle, and this is how I know that uh, Santana's back, because he was in the graphic. Yep. And there's seven of them with him. Yeah. So it's the entire inner circle versus Top Flight, Brandon Cutler, 
the Varsity Blondes, and the Best Friends. Wait. Okay. Just the best tag friend. team Best Friends, not the whole stable. Okay, yes. Yeah. And Top Flight, Brandon Cutler, and the Varsity Blondes were brought out by the Best Friends when they realized that the inner circle outnumbered them on the outside mm-hmm. and they needed backup. So there is... What great backup they got. <laughs> they were like, who's closest? <laughs> Brandon Cutler was wearing an orange Cassidy shirt, so I guess that, you know, that qualifies him. Mm-hmm. I like this episode. There was nothing, like, totally blow away on it. Um, I guess the Young Bucks match was the closest thing to that, but it was... I, I almost always find Dynamite incredibly easy to watch. It just kind of it goes it goes it goes down very easy. Yeah, it's not like an episode of Raw where there's like thirty minutes of just talking at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. there were there was a lot of talking on the show, but it was all like broken up. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it was like bite sized chunks, which uh, yeah. I did wonder. We did not hear from Moxley at all, and I was a little surprised that he wasn't like, "Yo, Kenny's." going around talking his mess and I'm pissed. Uh, but maybe he's just kayfabing, like being so hurt from the match that he's out because Kenny did have a legit black eye. So, yeah. you know, they did stuff. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like maybe, I don't know what Kenny's doing this week, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Moxley sat out for a while, just kind of sell the loss. Well, and then, and then he comes he back as a surprise. Japan? No, he's not. Oh, he decided not to. Okay. Well, I don't. Th- I think I don't think Tony Khan let him. Oh, yeah. I think he wanted are, to. But are we allowed to go to Japan as Americans? Um, we are if you're willing to quarantine for two weeks once you get there, and then another two weeks when you get back home. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. And I think I think that was just. I think that was a no a no go. I just think most least of his promos happen in toilet stalls so he could definitely have pre-taped some stuff or tape it from the japanese toilet stall exactly well you'd be able to tell it was japanese toilet stall yeah yeah but uh yeah i i wouldn't be surprised to not see john back for a little while although they have um they announced what their upcoming slate is here and after um this live show on the 16th coming up, they've got Wednesday, the 23rd, which is a taped show, which will be the dynamite holiday bash. And it is going to be following an NBA game. So it is start airing until probably after 10 PM. And I think, I think we had some of that last year too. Um, We had the like one week where there was a one hour inconsequential post basketball game, Matt or show. And then they had a, well, that was an extra one, though. Yeah, it was. Right, because they had the regular yeah. two-hour show. So this is yeah. only going to be... This is going to be the regular show, but it's just going to be time-shifted. Huh. Okay. Um, but it <laughs> I might... don't think we had that last year. Okay. It might be good, though. Like, it might it might not be too bad, I guess I should say, because it's going to be a much better lead-in, even though it's late at night, than whatever, like, random movie TNT has the licensing rights for that they air before Dynamite most weeks. Um... Then on December 30th, a live show, uh, we're going to have New Year's Smash Night 1. Uh, and then on January 6th, we'll have New Year's Smash Night 2 with special guest Snoop Dogg. Who okay. I presume will be promoting the uh, the Go Big show that he and Cody are on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you know what that means, guys. 
unlike last year, there's no there's no week off. Oh, they did take a week off last year, and they yeah. needed it after how they ended it. They needed it after that dark order angle. Um, but that means we got to figure out what we're gonna do with our awards uh, episode. We might have to do a bonus. Well, I think we could fit that in. Yeah, we've got some PTO coming up. Yeah, I think awards we are fun. Yeah, awards can... are fun. But yeah, I think I think that'll have to be a separate episode this Th- week. This this award show is gonna be hard because last time. We only had to remember, like, three or four months of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was a very short year. And That's this true. year has been five years. Yeah, yeah. So. But only difficult. 52 Dynamites. Yeah, but it feels <laughs> like five years. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's what's kind of the, the big upcoming slate of things. Our BDs. Uh, yeah, our BDs, that's right. And... The other thing to mention before we get out of here, the one the one match I didn't mention coming up for Wednesday that uh, didn't really fit into anything else, Cody versus Angelico. Yeah, that's random. Huh. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about. Maybe it's just maybe just Cody just likes him and wants to work with him. All those submissions and stuff, Cody. Yeah. Cody's a grappler. Yeah. I guess. So and that is that is of course in addition to Serena Deeb and Big Swole versus Ethelise and Diamante. The Acclaimed versus SCU, Hangman Page, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds versus the Hardy Party, and that big old uh, inner circle 14-man tag that Jenny's so excited about. A lot of dudes in the ring. A lot of dudes in the ring. Uh, yeah, but that's that's Dynamite for this week, and that's, that's our week. Uh, we will be back next week to cover all those things. we got a live Dynamite coming up. Nothing like... They haven't announced any, like, real big hook. I have a feeling, like, Shax hasn't been announced and Sting hasn't been announced. So I feel like the number might come back down to earth a little bit. But uh, two really big weeks in a row for them with winter is coming. And then, uh, like, how about that? Like, they they actually, like, improved on the number of winter is coming. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. That really surprised me. Tons of people were, like, curious about that the fallout of that, right? I mean, I, I assume that's what it was. Yeah. Well, that, and I think it was that and Shaq. Yeah. And well, you said sting too, which sting did well too. Yeah. On winter is coming. He showed up. So it's like, there was enough of like, what happens now? You Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So, uh, I guess thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back next weekend for Megan and for Jenny. I'm Andy. Thank you for listening to the Elite Beat. Elite Beat. E-E-Elite Beat.